Hi, everyone. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Sam Podcast. I'm Millie. And I'm Anisha. And we're so excited to have you back for another episode. So unfortunately, Satumi is just taking a bit of a break. So she's not with us for this episode. But don't worry, she'll be back for the next week. Okay, so this week in particular is a little divergent from the other topics we've been talking about, but I was definitely um, super passionate about it and I, and I wanted to talk about it with you. And the topic is about the concept of masculinity and femininity in relation to Harry Styles' Vogue cover. And that cover has received <laughs> reactions of both extremes. I mean, people hated it and people loved it and it just tells a lot about the kind of society we're in. And so we're just gonna be jumping into a bit of about the reactions, other artists who've done the same and more, and also just discussing our views on it. So Anisha, I just wanted to ask you, uh, before we take a look at the cover, what did you feel about when you, what, what did you feel when you saw the Vogue cover? Like, what was your initial reaction? I was like, good for him for breaking boundaries you know I don't see anything wrong in with a man wearing a dress or wearing clothes that we deem to be you know for girls I think clothing has no gender or no boundaries mm -hmm. so why not and I know a lot of people had other reactions but what, what about you honestly I don't think I felt anything I kind of saw it and I was like good yeah you know, exactly like it, it was wasn't anything big, yeah. oh my god thing it wasn't like a oh like a double take back or anything it was such a like oh okay good for him and then moving on yeah. to the next post <laughs> exactly and like I didn't realize it was such a big deal for people until like I would see these twitter threads or I just see posts on instagram and whatnot and I realized like oh wow like people are still astonished by this but I think in my head I was like, yeah, this is expected, right? This is completely fine. This is normal. So I was pretty surprised to see. And not only that, I was pretty surprised to see a lot of views from like the Republican side of politics. Yeah. Like I did not expect it was good. Like, okay, like I know they are very like tightly constrained in like their views, but I really didn't expect like political commentators to like even take on this subject. So what did you think about that? Like Candace Owens, you know, the tweet that she made? I mean, I think it's just petty, you know, to be attacking someone for a cover that they're shooting for and judging them by the choice of clothing that they wear. Or if anything, it promotes like this inclusion of like gender differences yeah. that society tells us that we have, right? Mm -hmm. And he's such I a big agree. figure that, it shows that men don't have to, you know, be mm -hmm. masculine or wear masculine clothing. They can still be them and still be boys, you know, even yeah. if they're wearing a blazer and a dress. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's so important that someone like Harry Styles took mm -hmm. this initiative because, like, that means that if one of the biggest pop artists did this in our generation right now, because there are other artists who've been doing um, – like who've been breaking those uh, barriers. But I think a lot of men out there who feel voiceless and a lot of little boys, like they feel that permission. And that's the thing about celebrities when they use their platform to raise awareness or to just to do whatever, just to break any type of norm. Mm -hmm. It's so important for the common person. So I agree. Yeah. You know what, if anything, like I would commend him for doing something like this. 
Yeah, so he even says, like, there's so much joy to be had in playing with clothes. I've never thought too much about what it means. It just became this extended part of creating something. And it's true. You know, he's an artist. Mm -hmm. He uses, you know, his words to write beautiful lyrics. But not only that, but his self-expression is through his clothing. And I don't see anything wrong with, you know, the Vogue cover or... If anything, it brings up this really big point of gender roles and gender socialization that we have in society and how some people still today feel like boys have to have the color blue when painting their room and girls have to have pink and girls can only yeah. play with dolls and boys can only play with trucks. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a terrible concept to teach children because it limits them and it puts them into such a small box right where in reality the world is so much bigger yeah I think like it's really interesting him even wearing a dress and it's not even just that because I've seen him in interviews previously Mm -hmm. when he was wearing nail polish and like he's before he's actually dressed for covers like in a ballerina tutu uh for one of the previous yeah uh, yeah photo shoots that he's done and looking at that I especially like there's this notion and I hear this a lot and I see this a lot where it's just like oh you know like whatever like women desire a masculine man and then it's really funny because I end up like all the celebrity male crushes I've ever had have been like very different from that and it's really really refreshing to see someone who doesn't have their masculinity threatened by what's on the outside like he knows like he that's who he is at his core and he's not he's safe and he's confident in whoever he is it, he is the he is one of the definition of and one of the many people who show you that you know masculinity is isn't threatened if you don't make it a threat to yourself i mean the concept of you know masculinity that we have is so toxic to young boys and to adult men who grow to up women and, too like exactly, that's how it, yeah like, who grow up in an environment where they feel like they have to you know be outside in the playground punching other boys to show how strong they are or that if they can't cry or be emotional because then they'd be labeled as like sissies or you know the worst thing that a guy could be labeled as when he's playing sports is that oh he throws like a girl and that in turn it's like it's like a derogatory term towards women right like it's I think it's such a toxic, toxic thing to be teaching young children. And um, I was actually going to bring up this really, really great documentary called The Mask You Live In. It's, it's about, um, it's a documentary that follows young boys who navigate the idea of masculinity, uh, you know, pressured by the media, their peer group, and even the adults in their lives. The protagonists confront messages, encouraging them to disconnect from their emotions, devalue authentic relationships, objectify and degrade women, and resolve conflicts through violence. And that these gender stereotypes do interconnect with race, class, circumstances, and it creates this identity issue for boys and young men that they have to feel like they have to overcome to become real men. Like the concept of real men, what is that? You know what I mean? Is that, you know, the toxic masculinity portion and the aggressiveness that boys are supposed to have? Or is it just who they really are at their core? And I remember telling you this before, um, and I'll definitely, you know, find the link to the article and post it here as well. But Um, there were some studies that showed that young boys are actually a lot more emotional than young girls in their developmental stage. 
And it's crazy that we feel the need to beat it out of them at such a young age. Yeah, silence them and say you can't cry or be emotional, right? That saying that you love someone or like telling your parents that you love them is like frowned upon because you're not supposed to be that way. And like, you know, I think I just want to quickly extend that into the South Asian culture for a second. Um, Often there is this, uh, obviously not for all families, but I've seen this recurring theme where it creates a level of emotional unavailability in a lot of South Asian males in which, you know, it creates a sort of unstable dynamic in marriages, right? Kind of relating to our last topic, but it creates this unstable dynamic between the wife and the husband as he's not able to be there for her, for her emotionally. And in ways, whether conscious or unconscious, she ends up kind of imprinting on the son or whatever. And it, do you see like how, and the, and the son often is babied in that way in quite a few families and then it creates this need to have like a wife who can mother him you know and but he's not giving her the same emotional availability because he's like the daughter-in-law has to compete with the mother-in-law and it just that emotional unavailability can just be passed down onto generations and it's such a butterfly effect but yeah and I know that when you silence children it's not that those emotions are just going nowhere. They're going to come out in one way or another. And one way that I think for generations people have been witnessing is the issue with anger too, right? When these little boys, they're not guided through their feelings. They don't know what to do with it. I mean, no kid really does. And that's why you need good parenting to guide them through it. But if you just don't allow them to have these emotions or don't allow them to play with what they want and just give them the overall freedom, I feel like it creates this repression. And you end up seeing a lot of men, young men with anger issues. And I'm not saying that's like a, like a, that's a thing bound to happen, but it's like highly prevalent in like societies where men are just not allowed to express themselves. And it's expressed in terms of anger instead. And that can end up being damaging to the people around them too. Yeah, I completely agree with your point. And I and just to add to that, I think other than aggression, it also gives a sense of like confusion in who you are and what your interests are, right? Like a young boy can be really, really interested in playing with, you know, princesses because he likes storytelling and he wants to play with, you know, the castles and stuff. But when a parent or a guardian is like, no, you can't play with that. It's like, it's taking uh, their creativity away, right? Like, I agree. Children have such imagination, like amazing imaginations, and they should be able to, you know, expand that in whatever way they want. But by limiting them to saying, okay, you can only create stories revolving around like firefighters and police officers and trucks and, you know, like, like, Lamborghini cars and stuff like that like whereas girls are also put into that same box where it's like you can only create fairy tales you know romance and like Mm -hmm. the kid like the dolls have to get married and like you know you can have like children dolls and like it's such a clear delineation of what gender roles we have in society that women are supposed to be the homemakers the caretakers and the men are supposed to be the breadwinners and they're not really supposed to be like there's not supposed to be an intersection or an overlap between those roles that people have. And that's toxic. Yeah, totally. And it's really interesting because if you really look at it this way, women have been um, participating in 
considerably like masculine fashion for a long period of time now. I mean, we've been wearing pants and, you know, blazers or whatever it is. And that too came with a certain price because we had to fight for a lot of that. But just looking at it now, it's so uncommon for it to be the other way around that this is like, wow, so ghastly, so mind blowing for us to come across something like that. Maybe in the same way that a woman wearing pants back in the 1960s would have, you know? Yeah. And it's really interesting to see that reaction because I think in the future, hopefully we'll get to a point where it isn't so surprising mm-hmm. to see this sort of transition. I think it's talking just about women and girls too. I think, you know, girls feel that same pressure to, you know, dress cute and dress girly and wear skirts and dresses if you wear jeans make sure they fit tight you know yeah exactly like make sure they show your curves and you know a lot of girls who are really into sports or might be a little muscular they get labeled as tomboys and like you know yeah or manly look like a man they look like a man yeah yeah and a really great example of that actually is has been in the video game i don't know the last of us part two where the character Abby, you know, she was really, really bulky. And a lot of people in the gaming community, despite whatever the plot was in the story, were like, oh, she's transgender. Oh, she's a man. But I mean, she's not. And to, does it ever surprise you when you come across people like that? Like, it does. It really does. And it's, like that, don't it's they? so hurtful because, I mean, you know, you can say whatever you want about the story. I loved that game. And more than that, I loved the characters that they had. You know, they they had people of color. They had people who are part of the LGBTQ community. And to just, like, label somebody as manly or as transgender solely based on... And using on transgender the, as an insult? Exactly. Like, like solely based on the fact that she's muscular and she's strong and not even knowing her story. I mean, I think it's it's terrible. And it's the best example of something I can think of right now and it happens all the time you know in high school and middle school when girls are playing sports they're like why why are you doing that right like Mm -hmm. and you can see it in the differences between the sports themselves too like the boys you know football team might be more um like they get more popularity, they get more funding because that's what boys are supposed to do. Whereas the girls football team might not get enough attention. and They might be like, oh, it's just a pastime for them and not an actual career that they can make out of. But some girls want to do that full time in the future, right? Like they have dreams too. And why push it down? Because that's not something that society deems to be an acceptable role for women. She said, There is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. (laughs) No, it doesn't. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men. Okay, I really don't know how Marxism (laughs) ties into this. I looked at it, I was like, I was pretty confused. And um, just when she said the East knows this, Huh, you want to talk about that, Candace? Okay, well, let's take the Indian culture, for example. There is um, the concept of, uh, like, a lot of, like, transgender individuals in the Indian culture. Sure, in society, they're not celebrated whatsoever in, in the ways they deserve to be, but 
in in like religious context they're considered on on par with a sort of having a like a godly status because they embody both the masculine and feminine figure so if you really were to go into that you should do a little bit more research before you go into those concepts and a lot of eastern cultures actually they didn't wear pants you know and a lot of them um had more like if you were to look at east asian cultures like traditionally they didn't wear like jeans and like pants back in the day they wore more traditional um uh fashion like the girl they um, wore lungi the hanbok <laughs> like i this, think that's how you say it like in like korean, korean fashion but, but also like, that like just, irish men they wear the uh kilts yeah kilts, right the wearing, skirts and, uh, yeah exactly yeah, and they're still colors. manly men the problem that i have with this is that you know she's saying like the steady feminization of our men it's an outright attack or that no society can survive without strong men the issue isn't whether or not we're taking you know strength away from these men but it's about opening up their self-expression and opening up you know and breaking down these barriers that people have built for men and women throughout society and just because you know he decided to wear a dress or just because some man decides to wear nail polish does not make them less strong and when i read tweets like that like as i was mentioning right like the whole save our society kind of theme mm -hmm. like the society does not need to be saved we're actually moving in a very progressive manner for once in the longest time i know we're yeah. finally acknowledging that you don't need to save anybody and the whole thing of like things need to remain this way to maintain order is just so toxic because you're not celebrating diversity in the end of the day you're taking only a very few people out of this big sea of people and then you're saying those are the only people that can make it into our society anyone who's not that either change yourselves or you're just not allowed in it and that's where it becomes toxic right and i just don't like seeing the whole like we need to change like we need to retain what it was because our society is going to shambles you know everything is like a they pretend it's an apocalypse well in reality it's really the change that we need and people have been pushing for the longest time i mean like bringing that topic up it's uh been happening for like many decades now i mean if you take prince as an artist freddie mercury like these people are legends and they've been participating in this considerably like whatever you say like feminine culture but it's the way they wore it gave so many people a voice and gave people the freedom to express themselves so um i just wanted to ask you why do you think masculinity and femininity are so tightly defined in our society like we know people have very constricted definitions of it but why do you think people defend that black and white way of looking at masculinity and femininity i just think it's what's been happening since like the dawn of time right like the like men and women had certain roles that they occupied you know in the early ages and i think it like women were the gatherers men were the hunters and i think as society progressed it, it stayed the same it didn't move or shift in any way and even through like the industrial revolution and stuff like that, you can still see that men occupied majority of like the labored work while women stayed at home with the kids. And even when, you know, the feminist movement arose and women started working, 
their hours were limited and there were only certain number of jobs that they could occupy and a lot of them were like sewing or nurses and stuff like that so they were still caretaking roles and I think today in 2020 it's really hard for any society and any group of people who have had the same views on certain things for them to shift dramatically and I understand that I don't necessarily sympathize with it because, you know, it's 2020, you should be able to be open to anything, right? Like we should all have equality regardless of our gender and we should all be able to openly express ourselves in whatever way we want because, you know, it's our freedom of expression, our freedom of speech. Exactly. But I do think that it's still very hard for people to get over that notion that a woman can do more than just stay at home and take care of her kids or a man can't express himself emotionally because it makes him look less than. And I think for a lot of new generation parents, their biggest job will be to sort of break those boundaries. And I can see it already. Like I have cousins who have children and, and they say that, you know, they make sure that they hug their boys when they go to bed, tell them that they love them, make sure that, you know, they're able to express their emotions and stuff like that. And, not shut them down and make it a very healthy and open conversation. And I think that's what needs to happen. I also think it's this obsession with order to be maintained. You know, I think uh, maybe it's a, it's a, like a human nature thing where if things have been a certain way, we do everything in our power to resist any kind of change that comes along. I mean, I think we desperately want it to be the way it was and anything that's foreign seems like a threat. And that's me putting it in a nice way because I think some people just are ignorant and they refuse to understand. But if I were to take away all feeling and look at it objectively, I think it's this need to maintain order and need to keep things the way they are. Androgynous fashion. I just really wanted to quickly bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, I really like the concept of androgynous fashion. I was having a conversation with one of my other friends the other day and she was mentioning like, I really like that, you know? And a lot of androgynous fashion is also seen in a lot of luxury brands, mm-hmm. you know, like you'll see the sort of androgynous models and then they'll be wearing like just a turtleneck and then like, like unisex like, clothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just thinking about the concept of androgynous clothing. And I think there should also be an introduction of like men wearing more feminine clothing in, in that fashion too. Cause I feel like that is the appropriate medium for people to express themselves and not only have women wear uh, like considerably masculine clothes, but also have like men wear perhaps dresses or skirts and then allow it to stem from androgynous fashion and make its way into more like commercial fashion, if that makes sense. Really, really happy about seeing is when I go shopping with my younger brother, I'm starting to see, you know, he picks up pink sweaters and purple sweaters and and my parents and I were just like, yeah, whatever, like buy whatever you want. And I'm so glad to start to see that introduction in like mainstream fashion for boys yeah. and young men to have choices of clothing where it's not just, you know, blue or black or gray, but there's, there's, you know, what we deem feminine colors, like purple, pink. Um, I think we need to stop policing clothing so much, you know, and, and, just let people wear whatever they want. Other actors have um, done parts where they play gay men. I mean, it, you could see that in Brokeback Mountain or Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Heath Ledger. They played um, 
closeted gay men. And or gay men have played yeah, straight exact, men. Straight men. Yeah. Neil Patrick Harris played a straight dude in How I Met Your Mother for like nine seasons. Years. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I just feel like it's it's such a strange environment too, right? To take an art form and to take somebody's role and then to turn it yeah. into, oh, well, let's question his own sexuality just to and make it's sure. it's a personal question. Just because he dresses up and wears, you know, dresses or skirts or whatever doesn't mean that, you know, he's gay. His sexuality, his own sexuality, if the question of who he ch- likes and who he is, it, it shouldn't mean anything to anyone but himself, right? And he doesn't have to answer that question. So I always get really upset when people bring up that question to celebrities and, and sort of be like, oh, okay, you were wearing pink or you were wearing purple, are you gay? Just like there's some sort of correlation there. But let's look at all of the men before Harry Styles who have sort of broke those gender uh, norms. Prince, so, you know, quite literally the crown prince of androgynous clothing. Prince has defined the power of masculinity. You know, he's always seen as a lady man, yet he was draped in flamboyant colors, ruffles and long fabrics, and that, you know, I mean, like I said before, clothing is is um, an art form itself, right? Like, you it's can a, experiment. It's a, it's an exp- yeah. It's an expression like of who you are, and you can wear whatever you want without having to define your sexuality on the basis of it. Yeah, like that's, it's, it's so funny because I think clothing expands beyond just your sexuality. Like it can define so much more than like whether you're a girl girl or a boy traditionally, you know? Exactly. Because like, artists wear a lot of times, they wear their clothes as costumes. And so it doesn't even matter like what they wear in the end of the day. And I don't know why it still gets questioned, but I love Lola. Yeah, you know, we have RuPaul Charles on here. Frank Ocean, like we have very masculine men who, you know, might wear nail polish or um, white, might want to experiment with their clothing. That doesn't make them less manly than they were when they would wear um, what clothing were deemed just for men. Same yeah. goes for women, right? Yeah, it just, yeah. like, I don't think a lot of people understand when we say you know, like this stuff should be acceptable in society does not mean that people are ever being forced. Mm-hmm. It's just let the people who want to do this, do it without scrutiny. Exactly. Let the people who want to do what they want, express themselves. You know, there's a lot of, I think this whole idea of masculinity and gender roles and gender socialization can play into men who have been, you know, abused in their childhood. And I think for a lot of them, it leaves them in this space where they feel confused about their identity. And, you know, this terrible thing happens to them and it's not their fault at all, but it leaves them in this place of, oh, am I gay now? Like, does this make me gay? And so they struggle with it their entire lives, break those barriers down. It leaves room for these men who, you know, not who have not just been abused but for those people who are still also struggling with their own sexuality growing up to know that there's nothing wrong yeah um, with themselves and that they're not broken because of something that might have happened to them when they're younger yeah so yeah I think I think like 
one thing for anyone who's listening and for you as well, Billy, you should really, really watch The Mask You Live In. I think it's a great mm-hmm. example of like young adolescent boys and what they really have to go through. Um, and it's such an eye opener, right? Because I mean, we can only know about what we go through as women. And to yeah. see the other side of it and how much they also really struggle, it's, it's, it's sad to see. There's a lot of suffering behind it, you know, because mm-hmm. people suffer secretly and that ends up breeding a lot of mental health issues mm-hmm. in the end of the day. And that's not even talked about because, you know, it's that much more harder. Sorry. All right, guys, this is uh, a good point to bring the episode to an end. Thank you so much for listening. And this was definitely a fun, different and uh, exciting conversation with you, Anisha. And uh, we will catch you on the next episode. So again, my name is Millie. And my name is Anisha. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Sam Podcast. Bye. Bye, everyone.